Hi, my name's Marnie Og, and I'm the director of Dark Sky Traveller and founder of the Australasian Dark Sky Alliance. I'm passionate about the nighttime environment and preserving this wonderful natural asset for future generations. One of the best ways to experience the night sky is simply to go outside and look up. You don't need a telescope or an astronomy degree. Just a little curiosity, an area away from bright outdoor lights and, hopefully, a clear sky. For the next few minutes, I'll invite you to go outside and spend some time contemplating the night environment. If you need a minute or two to get comfortable, grab a blanket, turn off the porch light. You can press pause now and come back when you're ready. So let's start by asking, what's the dark sky memory that has stayed with you? I can almost guarantee there is one night that sends you straight back to your childhood or a special time and place when you really enjoyed being out in the dark. This is a question I've asked all my podcast guests and there's never been anyone who said, well, actually, I don't have one. Of course, my guests are noctophiles and the very reason I'm interviewing them. But I would hazard a guess that almost everyone, at least everyone in Australia, has an experience where they've stood in the dark, looked up and said, wow. While you think about your experience, I'll tell you mine. To be honest, I've had many. And ever since I was a little girl standing in the dark, hearing my dad say, that's Mars. It's on the ecliptic with the sun and other planets going that way. He'd be gesturing in a way that implied that I was meant to understand what he was saying, so I nodded, not wanting to disappoint. I guess by osmosis I did understand it, for somehow I appreciated that there was an imaginary line running across our night sky, along which all the planets could be found, some visible, some not. So if you found Mars and knew where the sun set, you could then work out where the other planets would be, somewhere along this invisible line. Being completely untechnical minded I was less interested in orbital dynamics and attracted to the sounds of the night environment. But I was pleased to spend time with my dad, watching him immerse himself in galaxy blah 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 and reciting how many light years away they were. It was, however, a night when I lay on the banks of a dry creek bed in the middle of the dry Atherton Tablelands, at the back of Cairns, watching millions of bats cross the starry dark sky on an evening unusually clear in November that stands out most. There were so many flying mammals it was hard to see the light from the stars behind them. My dad was metres away, equally caught up in the spectacle and also in a swag. When I wasn't sidetracked by stars, bat poo, or wondering which hole the snake would come through the canvas into my sleeping bag, I was hunting for satellites. In theory, the weather should have been closing in for the wet, and we should have been looking at dark, fluffy rain clouds building for a storm. But the night was clear and magical, and so too was my bed the next morning. Thankfully, there were no snakes in there. But this reminds me of my fascination for satellites. 
When I was a little girl, they were a treat to find, a moving needle in a dark haystack. A little blob of light, smaller than the biggest stars, but moving quickly between the constellations. A satellite is anything, including our moon, that orbits the Earth. Since 1957, when the first man-made satellite, Sputnik 1, was sent up into orbit, we have managed to send well over 21,000 objects bigger than 10 centimetres. There are probably tens of thousands more. It's just that these are the objects being monitored by teams of people in NASA and the like. Most of these objects are debris from disused spaceships, robots and satellites, spent boosters and astronaut clothing, commonly known as space junk. But amongst them are more than 1,050 working satellites with, which provide telecommunications, internet and defence capabilities. 50% of these were launched by America. Amongst this skyscape of shrapnel is one international space station the size of a flying football field and seven attentive crew who remain on high alert for even the smallest object. Space junk is increasing at an alarming rate and it can become a serious threat to satellites and astronauts. Something as small as seven millimetres, like a chip of paint, travelling at 34,500 kilometres per hour, managed to cause a one centimetre gouge in a window. Imagine what something the size of a spanner could do. So, whilst we look up to the heavens and contemplate the volume of space junk that is currently orbiting our little blue dot, perhaps we could keep an eye on the night sky and see if we can find a satellite or two. Fifteen years have passed since I spent that night in the creek bed counting satellites and dodging bat poo. And whilst I felt lucky to have seen three satellites that night, it is not uncommon for me now to find five or six. That said, I'm probably a little older and wiser, and I now know what to look for. So, what is that? The first thing to know about satellite spotting is you can't do this all night. There is a window that starts about 30 minutes after sunset, or as you learnt in February's podcast, after nautical twilight. Most satellites, including the ISS, are travelling between 300 and 2,000 kilometres above the Earth and need sunlight shining on them to be seen from Earth. Wait too long and the sun will have dipped too far below our horizon to show them up. The second is to understand which direction you're looking. Most satellites travel from west to east. So once you've worked out which direction you're facing, you can keep your eyes peeled, find one, and then you'll know where the next one is traveling through. If you want to get really fancy, but perhaps take some of the joy out of finding that four-leaf clover in the night sky, you can look up at websites like ISS Spotter or Heavens Dash Above, which will accurately tell you what time and where to look for that exact location in the night sky. It makes a great crowd pleaser to look up and point and say, hey, here comes the ISS, and miraculously have a bright point of light glow out of nowhere, then move across the sky at a great rate of knots to simply fade into nothing. 
In 60 years, we've gone from Sputnik 1 to having tens of thousands of satellites around the Earth. And there are tens of thousands more set to join them. Elon Musk is just one provider planning a continuous stream of satellites and a fast connectivity to match. You may have heard it called Starlink. This may sound technologically wonderful. Imagine all the people in the planet having Wi-Fi or using GPS even in the most remote corners of the world. But some, such as my Noctophile podcast guests, generally question what this gain will have us lose. Cultures for thousands of years have used the night sky for storytelling and scientific discovery. With hundreds of visible satellites spreading a trail of light across the sky each night, will we lose our connection? Astronomers say yes, knowing that some telescopes being built now may never fulfill the research planned due to the interruption of this train of satellites speeding across the sky. Will these satellites change our perception of the heavens above? Are we polluting another part of our planet, this time not onshore or aquatic, but in space? Or is this the next generation of space technology that turns children onto science? As you sit outside hunting for satellites, what do you think? Hi. I hope you enjoyed your time out there in the dark. If you're interested in learning about the impacts of artificial light at night on the human body, you could join the Australasian Dark Sky Alliance for a special event during Dark Sky Week, which is the 5th to the 12th of April, for a webinar on the 7th of April with Dr. Eva Schoenhammer. Dr. Schoenhammer is an expert in the correlation between human circadian rhythms, artificial light at night, and breast cancer in particular. To book your place, go to the Australasian Dark Sky Alliance webinar page and we'll see you there. Thanks.